Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When St. Paul wrote to the, the church at Ephesus, he was in prison. His crime was proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth that Jesus is the very Son of God who became man, was crucified, died, and rose from the dead the third day, and ascended into heaven who is seated at the right hand of God, and that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. It should not be considered criminal activity to state the truth, for the truth should always be welcome, and yet the truth is often rejected and replaced with human opinion or downright lies. The church at Ephesus was dear to St. Paul. In Acts chapter 20, he visits the pastors, they're described as elders there, at Ephesus for a final time while he is on his third missionary journey. He delivers to them a great sermon in which he had said, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. What this means is that St. Paul during his three-year stay there, had taught the truth to them. Yes, the whole truth, and frankly, nothing but the truth. Upon Paul's departure, the pastors wept, for they would not see him again. Inspired by the Spirit, they were informed of such news. Of course, though, they'll see each other at the resurrection. But later, Paul would have the opportunity, while he is in prison, to write to them. And that letter becomes part of the New Testament, simply known as the book of Ephesians, of which we hear a portion of the final chapter. So in his closing words, in his letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul instructs the church to be strong in the Lord and in the spirit of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Put on the armor of God that you may withstand the schemes of the devil. You see, the devil is always seeking to destroy the good which God has made. He is trying to tear people away from the blessings that they have in Christ. And the devil you will use whatever tactics may resonate with those who are willing to give him a, an ear. Whether they are half-truths or doubting words, downright lies, or even destructive behavior. Since Satan was even willing to tempt Jesus, it should come at no surprise that he will be busy working on us, who have been redeemed by Christ, and added into God's family, who are God's children. And even Satan will work on the pastors whom God sends. God, the Holy Spirit, caused St. Peter to write, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. 
For Satan is a destroyer, always seeking to ruin the good God has made. Satan was created by God as a good angel during those six days of creation. But Satan rebelled against God's authority and sought out sympathetic followers. And to this day, Satan is attempting to turn people away from Christ by getting people to trust in themselves or forego the gathering of believers or to assume that all roads lead to heaven or to replace God's word with scientific theories or the assumptions of man. Widely attacked today is the reading that we heard in our Old Testament from Genesis chapter 1. Many who profess to be Christians simply do not believe the words that are recorded in this chapter. I am sorry to report to you that the majority of Christian churches in America teach that Genesis 1 is but a fable or a figurative story. For many decades, centuries even, many have been positing an old earth and evolutionary theories that ultimately brought life about on earth as we know it today through chance. The claim is that mankind is a result of mere chance, an evolutionary product, and as a result, humans serve little purpose. Many even claim that humans are destroying the planet and have overpopulated it, a stark contrast to our Lord's command to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth, and to subdue it. It should come to no surprise, then, that mankind has developed ideas that contradict Scripture. The devil, who, who questioned God in the Garden of Eden, by saying to Eve, did God really say, is still at work, asking that same question. The earth, our solar system, and all creation that we see on this beautiful planet is the handiwork of God. While scientists are trying to determine the origin of life, we have the clear answer as it is stated in the scriptures. Many, though, wonder, Okay, well, if they've come up with theories for the origin of life, where did the origin of matter come from? What about all these uncreatable elements on the periodic table? Where did they come from? Well, modern science has a theory that they teach, that prior to matter there was energy in the form of light that decayed into particles. So then where did that energy come from that decayed into particles? Of course, we know the process did not take billions of years as they teach, but as the scriptures teach us in Genesis chapter 1, before there was anything, there was God. In the beginning was God. And before God spoke, there was darkness. The earth was without form and void. The ancient teachings inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, and recorded in the scriptures are not only simple to understand, but they are also true. What the Bible presents to us is also reasonable, that God truly did exist from eternity, that he is God who is uncreated. What the Bible pres and, and that God said, let there be light, and clearly there was light. 
that God simply by speaking could create out of nothing all that is made, the stars, the sun, the moon, the planet on which we live. God spoke and it was made and it was good. God spoke and he made dry ground and the seas. God spoke and he made plant life and animal life, birds and fish. God spoke and he made it in six days and it was good. This is simply amazing and it is true. All three persons of the Holy Trinity even participated in the creation. God was in the beginning the Father. As Genesis reports, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the deep. And Christ, he too was present at creation. For it is taught in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The one who was in the beginning, the word, is our Lord Jesus Christ, who became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, in contrast to this beautiful and simple teaching concerning creation, Satan is mocking us Christians, asking us the same type of question that he asked Eve. Did God really say that he created all things in six days and then rested on the seventh day? You don't really believe that, do you? Won't you please listen to those bugs that I have planted in the ears of many, that there was energy and light that broke down into particles that form matter that then resulted in some big bang that then created a single cell organism that miraculously didn't die, but learned to somehow replicate itself and become more complex and eventually develop the ability to reproduce, grow limbs, digestive systems, eyes, ears, and so on. And Satan knowing that God has made mankind rather intelligent, had to work harder to fool man. So he helped man develop dating methods and theories that are fundamentally flawed. He has worked with man to destroy young earth evidence and thwart much scientific research that supports biblical teachings. Satan wants us not only to distrust, distrust the, bi the biblical account of creation, but also the various genealogies that are reported in Genesis, which give us an estimate on the age of the earth. By adding them up, we can conclude that God created the world less than 10,000 years ago, which is a far cry from the billions that are posited by many in our scientific community today. Christians are then bullied into a corner, told that they must answer how the Bible is correct and these ubiquitous scientific assumptions are wrong. And Satan loves it then when Christians begin to acquiesce or when they cave to modern opinion or cower in silence. The burden of truth does not lie with those who believe the Bible, but it really is on those who have so boldly departed from the teaching of God himself.
And for those who are filled, though, with the doubts concerning the biblical narrative, for those who want to research more to find out that from a scientific perspective, the Bible and its teachings are correct, there are many fine books and journals which uphold the biblical creation account and the young earth, even doing so from a scientific standpoint. And if you're interested in these things, I will gladly share with you some resources. This all, though, speaks to volumes why we, as Christians, living in the 21st century, need to continue to put on the whole armor of God, that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That way we may, as Paul writes, stand firm, taking up the shield of faith to extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, that we may wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and that we may fasten the belt of truth. And in all of this, we may, as the apostle teaches, to stand, to withstand, to stand, and to stand. Those four words, by the way, are all found in our reading today in Ephesians chapter 6. Stand, withstand, stand, and stand. We take up the whole armor of God that we may not budge, but that we may cling solely to God's inspired, unchanging, inerrant, infallible word of truth. That way we are not tossed to and fro in the winds of modern thought, the shifting sand of human opinion, or the currents of trendy theological theories. You have all heard of shifting science. You've all experienced it. You were once taught that eggs have cholesterol and therefore they're bad and you must avoid them at all costs, but now you know that they are good. You were taught that butter has saturated fats as bad and therefore you must eat vegetable oils which are fully hydrogenated like Crisco or margarine. And now you know those are far worse than butter itself. And we were taught if we just isolate to flatten the curve for two weeks, then it'll all just go away and everything will be good afterward. And now we know that everything takes longer than that. We were told that science says masks won't help, especially cloth ones. And then we're told that science says they are useful. You get the idea. All of this is presented in the name of science, and then we are told to believe science. Instead of trusting in man and so-called science, we put our trust in the Lord, who made heaven and earth, and who is even the creator of good science. For our firm foundation is Christ, who is seated in the heavens and made all things and gives us the breastplate of righteousness and the gospel of peace. He alone died on the cross as the ransom payment for our sin, so that we can be reconciled to our Father in heaven, so that we can receive the gift of eternal life, so that we can even know of our origins and where we will go. We are not the result of chance but we are the creation of God who loves us and redeems us and sanctifies us. For Christ alone gave himself up for us on the cross that we 
can have eternal life and join our Father in heaven. He gives us access to eternal life with him. And God in Christ even forgives our sins of doubt and temptation to displace God's word with the ideas of man. The nobleman in today's gospel, the official, as our translation describes him, he was firmly planted on this word of God. He, having heard that Jesus was in the area, traveled to Cana to ask Jesus to heal his son who was ill. He knew who Jesus is, the source of life. He had heard that Jesus had turned water into wine and that Christ is the life of all the living. And so he made his petition before Jesus, please heal my son. And Jesus said, go and your son will live. And the nobleman, he believed this infallible word of Christ. He stood on this promise of Jesus, your son lives. And his son truly lived. He was healed that very hour. We stand also on that same promise that we may have life in Christ's name. The God who created us is the one who also sanctifies and redeems us and gives us salvation. He gives us strength to stand upon his word of promise, even when the world around us does not. God will never fail. He is always faithful and truthful. And he, as he promises, will bring us to himself in heaven. And for all of that, we give him thanks. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.